it's like almost like a given for a business owner to be in there because they know that if they want their sale to get out there, if they want people to come into their store, you need to advertise because people will look through these things. In another town where things are done in a different way or where it's a little bit more old school or where there's far fewer choices or there's just far fewer people, you know, people may be a little bit resistant to that. And that's kind of what was happening a little bit to the point where I asked somebody one time to run a special for Super Bowl. And they're like, why would I do that? I'm like, because it'll bring you an extra business. So like, who says I want extra business? Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. This episode is sponsored by ASTOTS Academy, which offers online courses that help investors, aspiring professionals, business leaders, and even beginners to improve the finances of their lives and their businesses. Go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to claim your discount on the course that excites you the most. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, and I'm here with featured guest, Ari Gunsberg. Ari, are you ready to rock? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So let me tell the audience a bit about you. Ari Gunsberg is a rising new star in personal growth after experiencing trauma as a child and an extreme volatility as a teenager. As an award-winning international speaker, Ari motivates people using personal stories filled with triumph, tragedy, and transformation. Ari also helps inspire people using one-on-one coaching and his books for both children and adults. New in 2020 is his debut nonfiction title, The Little Book of Greatness. Ari, take a minute and fill any further tidbits about your life. You know, the main focus that I have working with people, both in large audiences and one-on-one, is really to help people rekindle the magic of life. I do that using my, my framework called The Five Keys to Greatness, which is what that book discusses. You know, people find that it's really easy to remember, really easy to use, but there's also, this is one of the parts of it that I like the most is that there's a lot of depth to it. As long as you open up your mind to really think about it, to explore it and to apply it to your life, you know, you can, you can really apply it in many, many different ways. You can, you can integrate other systems into it. If you have a particular self-help system that you really like now, or if you're worried that you're going to find one in the future, you can fit it in. So it's not like adopting this is going to restrict you to only one type of self-help system. It really kind of leaves the door open for you no matter what. Go ahead. I'm just curious, why is it important for you to tell the audience about trauma and volatility? How did that shape you, you know, in those stories that you tell and in the books and the services that you do? Well, everybody deals with their own trauma. And so first of all, you know, somebody that I know for quite some time, you know, he was a principal of a day school. And then the next thing I saw him like a number of years later, and he tells me he's a social worker and we're having this conversation. He's like, I had this real epiphany. And the epiphany was that people go through their lives and they say, oh, you know, I had this thing happen to me, but they're afraid to call it a traumatic experience. They're afraid to say that it was something that left a really big impression on them because they're like, it wasn't such a big deal compared to things that I know have happened to other people. It wasn't a big deal. But he said, my epiphany was that it doesn't matter what happened to other people. It matters what happens to you and it matters how it affected you. So what's traumatic for you may not be traumatic for somebody else. True. But if it was traumatic for you, you still need to deal with it. 
And so what happened to me was traumatic. I think, you know, even if you wanted to sit there and do it from an objective standpoint or not from a subjective standpoint, it was fairly traumatic. You know, I was 10 years old. I was on a hike with a teacher and the teacher passed away. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, it didn't get much better there. I mean, there was a number of other problems that started to arise within the schools. And then, and then I started hanging out with the, with a group of friends that all wanted to have fun. And, you know, I could say that with like air quotes euphemistically and I ended up having a lot of fun with them and <laughs> getting, getting in some trouble and doing some things that were not the healthiest thing to do as a teenager. I mean, others know what I'm talking about, but you know, yep, yep. you take enough of those things over enough years and it has an effect, you know? Mm. And so I discuss, I discuss a lot of these things. And then, and then another point of it is that for a long time, I wanted to keep, kind of keep away from it and not really discuss it and just, you know, be another member of society. And, you know, this way I could, you know, hold my head up high, whatever. And then I, as I started taking this journey to helping people and to speaking and, you know, writing and all these things, I realized I can really help a lot more people by being honest and by, by telling, well, not, I mean, it's not about being dishonest, but I'm saying mm. by, by being by being willing to share my story with other people. And Maybe being vulnerable. Vulnerable, yes, that's, that's a good word. That's a word that I actually use in some places also. You know, it's, it's, it's really vulnerable to sit there and, and tell your story like that. I mean, like if I ever have to go get a job and somebody starts looking me up and they're like, and then I come in and they're like, have you ever been to jail? And you're like, uh, you already know the answer to that. <laughs> yep. You know, so- Yeah, cause I went to jail before I was 18. So it was expunged from my record. So the only way they'd know is if I tell them on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I was at a speech one time at a corporation and I'm like, you know, I, I sat there and popped out and I was like, is anybody ever? And I'm like, no, 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 don't raise your hand. <laughs> Cause they're sitting there with their colleagues. Like, you know, like, yeah. I don't need you to pop your hand up. And then all of a sudden your colleagues are like, wait, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I think you should have just told me. like, wait, did you tell me about that? Uh, I, I think oh, the way no. to do that is go, everybody look at me intensely. Now blink your, blink your eyes if you've been to jail. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, I mean, I, I did it kind of as a joke a little bit, but I actually had somebody pop their hand off. like, uh, oops, no, don't do that. Yeah. Well, I'm just curious because, I mean, one of the things about, look, for those, you know, for the listeners out there, the little book of greatness, a parable about unlocking your destiny, has only been up, you know, for a short amount of time right there on Amazon. And you've got, 56 ratings, which is fantastic for, you know, published, I believe this year. And, and the ratings are on average 4.6. So you're doing that right. So vulnerability and sharing and all that, you know, works. And I think that's important so thing because this show is about vulnerability. The book doesn't have actually that much autobiographical detail hmm. in it. The next one, or it might not end up being the next one, but I'm saying the next one that I have currently, that's kind of at the forefront of my mind, that will have a, a substantial chunk of autobiographical data in it. It's funny, somebody that I know that was a, a bit of a mentor to me growing up and, you know, helped me in considerable ways. I gave him a copy of the book and, you know, I gave him a signed copy of the book and he messages me within like 24 or 48 hours. And he's like, I'm not in the acknowledgements. And I'm like uh yeah you're not <laughs> and he's like but i'm not on the and I'm, i was kind of like just like listen you know the people that i put in the acknowledgements over there were my family rightfully so and you know god and, and you know the people who were a part of this book you had nothing to do with this book this is not an autobiographical book this is not talking about anything this is not discussing the influence that you had in my life whatsoever it's out of place over here. And it's just, you're not part of that. And I don't know if he's upset about it or not, because it was all done via text message, but you know, <laughs> you know, what can you do? You know, it, it, it didn't, it didn't 
it didn't feel like the right venue to sit there and list every single person that's yeah. ever helped me in my entire life. I mean, I also plan to publish a lot more books. So there's going to be plenty of more acknowledgement things that, you know, acknowledgement yep. pages that I'll be able to sit there and be like, I forgot to mention this person 20 times and they're getting a spot now. Just one of the many little things that you deal with when you write a, a book. But now <laughs> it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Sure. So in Baltimore, in the Jewish community, there is a book called The Advertiser, which is a small book that basically sits there and gets advertisements from all of the community businesses and publishes them and sends it out to every single home throughout the community. Now, my history with this magazine actually goes back a long, long time, back to when I was like 10 or 11 years old, and it was owned by a different person, and it was printed in black and white. And instead of paying the postal service, you know, they would offer if they had the people to do it to like 15 or 20 cents or something to drop them off at people's houses and stuff. And so I had a few routes with them. Anyways, so I knew about this magazine for a long time. And then I go and I end up in a new community, Cleveland, and I wanted to do something very similar. There was already something that, that you know, that was out there. It, I don't think it was published that often, but it was like kind of like out there. And I think originally I wanted to do it like years and years beforehand, and I didn't end up going through with it. But now I was actually living there and I was like, you know, I really should do something. So I, I reached out to the people who were running it originally and I made an offer and they accepted, or maybe they, you know, maybe I said that I was interested and they put a number out there and I said, fine, et cetera, whatever. I mean, ultimately I got my hands on it and I started working on it. I started putting everything into it and, you know, creating systems, creating processes and trying to develop it and trying to, you know, sell all the business owners on the idea that they should be in there. Because here's the thing. In Baltimore, where all the business owners kind of assume that they kind of need to be in there because that's where people look to find out what's going on with sales, with businesses, with everything else. It's, it, it's like almost like a given for a business owner to be in there because they know that if they want their sale to get out there, if they want people to come into their store, you need to advertise because people will look through these things. In another town where things are done in a different way or where it's a little bit more old school or where there's far fewer choices or there's just far fewer people, you know, people may be a little bit resistant to that. And that's kind of what was happening a little bit to the point where I asked somebody, I don't want to go into too much detail. I asked somebody one time to run a special for Super Bowl, And they're like, why would I do that? I'm like, because it'll bring you an extra business. So like, who says I want extra business? Bam, hangs up the phone. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you know, all right, well, I don't really know what to say. Meaning like, that's just like the type of rebuttal that like, I don't think there is a rebuttal. If you don't want to be busier, then I don't really know. And that's kind of like the attitude that I continuously was seeing. So I got this thing and I was trying to like just build it up and, and make it bigger. And there was there were times when it seemed like it was really working. And there were times when it really seemed like it was about to go somewhere. And really ultimately over the course of three years, I just never could get it past a certain point. An additional, an additional piece of the lay of the land that was detrimental was that there was also at the same time a website that you know a certain percentage of the people in town went to for information and news, et cetera. And they were charging very, very low advertising prices. I don't know if it was to put me out of business or if it because, they, because no business ends, or if it was because of the fact that they realized that if they charge really low prices, they'll get a lot more business. I don't know. Mm. You know, I'm friendly with the guy. I'm still friendly with him. So I don't really know. But like the fact is, is that when you say to somebody, a full page ad will be whatever it is, $200, $150, $500, whatever the number is. 
and it'll take, let's say, two and a half weeks before it actually gets into people's homes, or you tell somebody, look, you can put six different advertisements in my website for 60 bucks and it'll start tomorrow. You know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, and then, and then people are like, well, why should I spend all that money with you when I can get it from him for $15 or 10 or 20 or whatever the number was? And you're like, because this is a print advertisement that is physically mailed to people's homes that they actually leaf through and look at and you get mm. real eyeballs on it. But they didn't care. The only thing they were looking at was the money. Anyway, so it was going on like that and it was kind of just losing money, but it was like trickling money out, you know, like it wasn't, you do something like that and you're like losing your pants within four months. And you're like, that's it. I can't do this anymore. But it was like trickling money. You know, some of the issues it would make a little bit of money. Some of the issues it would lose only 400 bucks or 600 bucks or whatever. And it was hard to tell because, you know, the numbers always kind of looked like they were working and then they weren't. And, you know, so it, it kind of just continued to go really, really badly until finally one day I was trying to figure out what to do with my, with my time. And this is about the same time that I made the switch into speaking you know, at the time I was doing, a, I was running a graphics business and this magazine and I was speaking to a business coach. The business coach sat there and said, listen, if your magazine business all of a sudden becomes wildly successful and every single business in town starts, starts using your services for this magazine, right? What's the maximum amount of dollars that it can make? Let's not even talk about net. Let's talk about gross. And I sat there and I ran the numbers quickly in my head and I realized that the number was like maybe like wildly, wildly well, like in 10 years, maybe could be making a half a million a year. But like at that moment with the amount of population, the amount of people, the amount of businesses, best was like 200, $250,000 gross. Then you have to take away printing costs, take away labor costs, take away mailing costs and all this other stuff. And I was like, um, you know, and it was within seconds of realizing that number that I was like, okay, I'm done. You know, because it, at that point, there's no, there's no, if I was running a large publishing company and this was one of the properties in the publishing company, a quarter million dollars ain't bad. But since this was the end all be all for that particular aspect, I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm walking away from this. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not like, you know, so fun to sit there and realize that you put three years into something and it didn't work. But one thing, one big takeaway, well, two big takeaways. The first one is, you know, this, if something really truly isn't working right? If it's really, truly not working, the sooner that you realize it, the better off you are. Mm. You know, it's right. fairly obvious, but, but it, it doesn't always come up. And the other one is, is kind of like, know what you're getting into when you get into it. You know, like I, I probably, and this was a big failing of mine is that, you know, the previous owners were complaining about the business owners and how they didn't want to advertise. Right me thinking that I knew it all and thinking they just didn't have the business sense to get it all together, meaning being incredibly, incredibly arrogant and thinking that like I knew and they didn't know completely and totally dismissed what they said. And then very, very quickly found that they were spot on and that it just, it just, people just weren't interested, you know, coming up on a holiday, they would sit there and fork over the money sometimes but they weren't interested in anything. And like, I, like I, I did, I like worked out of the box, you know, like I sat there and, you know, offered people like these contracts where I substantially discounted the per issue price in order to get more people to sign on. You know, I, I sat there and I put events on where I, where I did like a bizarre type thing where I, you know, gave out booths. And some of those were successful in the sense that I had a lot of vendors and a lot of people come in, but not successful in the sense that I didn't make a lot of money and it didn't boost up the the other part of the business mm. but i'm saying you know like i i it wasn't that i just sat there and like ran it for like a little bit and like it didn't work like i tried a lot of different things 
could I have tried more? Sure. But, you know, again, right. When you, when you're presented with this idea of like, what's the best that it's absolutely ever going to do. And the number is just not that high. And that's, that doesn't mean that it's a, that, that idea is done. And I'll explain what I mean in a second, mm -hmm. but if it's not that high, it's, it might be time to walk away. Now, when does that not say that it's done? Well, if you're like, trying to put together a nonprofit and you realize that the maximum salary that you can ever get from it is $150,000 a year, right? Which is a nice sum, but it's not like, you know, what it could be, let's say. That doesn't mean that you have to sit there and say, forget it. It's not worth it because I'm only going to mm. make 150 or $90,000 a year. First of all, if it's enough money for you, that might be fine. And second of all, if it's something that you're incredibly passionate about, right? Yeah. Money's not everything. And, and, you know, a lot of times we forget that living in the world that we do and, and you know we think that money's everything and like oh if i could only be rich <laughs> that's not that's not the end all be all like the you know you need to be happy also you need to be fulfilled also that's, a, that's part of the book is about the five keys to greatness right you know so so don't don't throw in the towel if it's something you're really passionate about you really love but like when i when i combined the fact that i didn't really love the work didn't really love the, i mean i i liked it and i wanted to keep it going it was my baby but but it wasn't it wasn't that much my baby you know like actual babies are much more important to make sure we have the support <laughs> this, it um, reminds me a little bit of, of one of my episodes episode 92 a woman named inbox song and she she talked about the idea of good companies die slowly and it was very interesting she's an investor and she's saying because they have cash and all that you, you don't really see it happening but it it happens and i think you know the parallel in this case is that it's easy to quit a business that instantly fails, but it's hard to know when to quit a business that's kind of, kind of making it a little bit of failure, a little bit of success. That's a huge challenge to come to, you know, to come to the, the yeah. realization of that. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you, by the way, until, meaning we had had many conversations about shutting this thing down before that conversation where he put it to me like that with the, with the maximum amount of dollars you're gonna make from it. And, in every single conversation, I was incredibly resistant to shutting it down. Because again, like I said, like I felt without necessarily knowing why, but I felt like this was my baby. I don't want to get rid of this. I don't mm -hmm. want to shut this down. It's kind of doing okay. And it's going to do okay in the future. And if I can just convince these business owners, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then he sat there and said, well, what's the best it'll do? And I was like, yeah, all right. All right. We're going to pull the plug on that one. <laughs> Take it off of life support. Yeah. Now I believe that you know, we talked a little bit beforehand. I'm just curious, you mentioned another challenge that you're facing and I thought it would be great for the audience to, to understand a little bit about that, what I would call a tough investment. Maybe you could share a little bit about that. Yeah, so I mean, so, so, I, mean I, I feel like if you know, I'm gonna call something my worst investment ever, it needs to kind of be an abject failure. <laughs> and what we were talking about before, you know, while we were getting to know each other a little bit, was it's not it's not a failure in the sense that first of all i haven't given up on it yet and second of all yet i sorry i haven't given up on it <laughs> <laughs> no yet involved i say yet but it's a freudian slip maybe but um you know so when we're launching something new we can be hit with incredible incredible struggle to get it up and off the ground and actually so you know one of the things we were talking about before also was online courses I didn't get a chance to mention, you know, I, I recorded an online course that I am currently waiting on the editing, the video editing to be done with, you know, so I have this framework, the five keys to greatness. And so my, I, I want to send this information out into the world through three different methods, including I'm going, you know, I, I'll, it's, it's something I give away for free, the actual concept of the five keys, 
but the, you know, to, to really interact with it, I have three products that I want to use and that's the book, a video e-course and a workbook, none of which will overlap considerably. They'll overlap a tiny little bit, maybe here and there, but like all with different stories, different exercises, different information. So if you want to buy all three, you won't feel like you're repeating the same information. I've, I've done that before, right? Bought like the second version of like a series and everything, you know, like Stephen Covey's keep, mm. keeps on, I mean, he's gone now, but they keep on coming out with new versions of the seven habits. Right. But they're all kind of the same thing yep. maybe. So like, I don't want to, I didn't want to do that. So, uh, but like, you know, so, so the last video is about the last key, which is tenacity or persistence. And I actually, I actually get real for a little bit in that video. It hasn't been published yet. And I mm. still am hoping that by the time it gets published, it will be not so, <laughs> not so accurate, but you know, I'm working on building this public speaking thing. I've never done this before. I've, I've done marketing before. I've done websites before. I've never written a book before. I've never published a book before. Well, other than the kids' books. Mm. You know, so I'm, I'm learning how to do all of this on the fly. And there's certain things that I've done that have been wildly successful. Well, maybe, you know, and then there's other things that I've done that have not been. They've fallen somewhat flat. And the things that I've done that have been successful are my speeches. You know, I, I mean, I get out and I connect with the audience. The audience loves it. They enjoy it. The meeting planner gives me good feedback. My book also, I mean, you mentioned before that on Amazon, as of this recording has 56 reviews. I also have some editorial reviews that have come up since then. And, you know, people like the book. They enjoy it. Yep. Uh, one particular reviewer he wrote, he's like, he's like, I would recommend that you read this book with a pen and paper so you can write down the exercises within the book that are part of the narrative. He said, I'm even going to read this book a second time, which I never do, but I'm going to read this book a second time to be able to take notes because it's worth it. You know, and, and to hear somebody say that they want to read it a second time immediately after they finish. I've only ever had that happen to me with one book. I read more fiction than nonfiction, by the way. Mm. But one book, it was so amazing to me when I finished reading it. I literally flipped it back to the beginning and started reading it again. Yep. I didn't finish it the second time. I got like 80 pages into it or something, but like I liked the world. I, I like a little bit of sci-fi and fantasy. So I liked the world so much. And if everybody's curious what that book is, I'm not going to, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. It's the Worthing Saga by Orson Scott Card. Okay. But, um, you know, one, one theme that he consistently explores is, you know, what happens if somebody skips through a large period of life or like, that's maybe that's what the theme that he's exploring in there. Cause you know, in there, there's a, there is something that can make it so that you can sit there and basically wake up whenever you want and then sleep for a thousand years and wake up like nothing ever, like you didn't miss anything. Anyways, so I, I digress, but, um, but so that, you know, I've been working on building the speaking business and I keep on throwing money into it. And some business advisors keep on sitting there and being like, no, 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 you know, go get a job, go do this, go do this. And, you know, I got a job over the summer and it was, it was, it was, it was pretty much hell. I mean, mm. there's a number of reasons why I don't necessarily want to go into it partially from just because it's not what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, and every single second that I'm doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing is not, it's, it's a moment of torture. And then also partially there was some severe leadership issues there. Let's, let's leave it at that. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, you know, we, and, and then like, you know, so it's, it's weird also because like I get in, you know, and I talk to people and I'm like, I'm trying to explain to them, like I've, I'm seeing success, you know, and I've booked, you know, some, some, some big ticket speeches and, and, you know, the meeting planners are enjoy it. And, that, right. and, and like, I'm talking to people, I'm trying to explain to them, like, I, I don't need a job. I need like, I need like one or two people that just you need that breakthrough. Just, 
I need the breakthrough. I need the tipping point. I need, I need a tiny little bit of investment to sit there and like, you know, just, just make a couple of plays. I need, I need yep. the business advisor who could sit there and say, yeah, just do this one thing. Okay. Do not try to do this one thing. And like, and like, but, I, that's you know, what I'm Ari, getting. I yeah. want to, I want to introduce you to a really interesting book that could help you. It's called the little book of greatness. And the fifth, <laughs> the fifth key is called tenacity or persistence. It, focuses on that point it does um, let's it does. let's let's stop it at this point and let me ask you a few questions about I'm, i want to ask you first question i just want to, I, I do want to just bring up yep. go back on what you just said yeah that's part of like when people say like oh just go get a job i'm like but that's like kind of sitting there and saying that what i'm doing isn't working when mm. when i know that it will it's just yep. you know i i'm so close i can taste it i mean yep. like yep. You know, I, I get in touch with meeting planners. I mean, I had somebody reach out about something that is a topic I don't even come close to talking on. Mm. And I pitched them what I was talking about. You know, it was kind of a long shot. And they're like, no, it really doesn't work for the topic that we're looking for, which I knew, you know. Mm. But they're also like, but this looks really interesting. And we want to use this for one of our, you know, days that we sit there and do this type of stuff on. So we'll be keeping your information on file. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm making it to the short list of speakers for a lot yep. of events. And, you know, some of them, I end up getting the event, other ones I don't, but, yep. but, you know, so like I'm there, it's just, oh man, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. So what, so what lessons have you learned from, you know, we've got two stories here. They have yes. some, there's some really, you know, interesting commonalities and differences here, but just list out what lessons you've learned. Well, so first of all, in the five keys, we're going to jump back to that again, mm. with the fifth key with persistence and tenacity, <clears throat> you know. Being persistent with things that you really don't want to be doing or that you really don't like or that are not working for you or in the case of an investment that's just losing you money and you don't see a way out of it. And I'm not talking about when somebody's being pessimistic yep. and I'm not talking about when somebody else is crapping on your dream, I'm talking about when something realistically has nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. That's not the time to be persistent. Persistence is not all about being persistent at all, you know, for every situation at all costs. Yep. I don't think. Persistence is about recognizing when you should stick it out and when you should throw in the towel and then when you should stick it out, actually sticking it out. Mm. And making sure that you do every, <clears throat> that you ex exhaust every possible option to go ahead and unlock the greatness that you have within. I mean, we all have amazing, amazing things within us. And if, for everybody, it's different. But we all have such amazing stuff within us. And, and, and you know, it, we, we just need to be able to find it and, and bring it to the forefront. And so then you were saying like, you know, what's, what's going on with these two different things that you said, what, what was something that I learned about them? Yep. Well, I mean, what, what, what are the lessons that you've learned from this, you lessons. know, experience? Um, a lot of times when you speak to counselors and coaches and, and uh, associates and people who <clears throat> you want to get advice from, they'll give you advice. You have to remember that their advice is, first of all, incredibly biased from their own life viewpoint. And second of all, may not be the right advice for you. Yep. You know, people just, you know, a, a lot, you might be trying to do a business that they've never done before or <clears> never <throat> done successfully. And they'll be like, it's never going to work. Yep. yep. But you know, it's going to work. I mean, so look, beware you know, of advice. Yeah. Beware <laughs> of advice. Well, I mean, not beware of advice. It's, it, it is good to have sounding boards and it is good to well, get advice Maybe we should people. say be aware, you know, be aware of, of the advice and you're getting. Where it's coming from and recognize where it's coming from. And <clears throat> if it is in line with where you truly see yourself going, and if it's not, then sometimes you have to sit there and say, I really appreciate that you took the time to talk with me, but I really can't listen to anything you have to say <laughs> because you know, you're, you're dragging down my dream for no reason. Yep. 
And I know that it's possible. I know that I'm going to be able to do it mm. and we're going to make it happen. So let me, uh, let me uh, summarize some of my takeaways. There's a lot of things I'd take away from this. The first one is being a finance guy. I'm always looking at the numbers of a business and trying to understand, you know, what's the possibilities. And the best way to illustrate this to somebody is just to think about, you know, somebody comes to you and says, Hey, I've got this really great location for a restaurant and, you know, I got a great chef and it's going to be amazing. And, you know, there's not that many of them around in this particular, you know, genre or whatever. And then what you find is that you ask them, okay, how many tables? Well, there's only 10 in this location. Okay. So how much do you think you can get on average per table per, you know, meal? And he says, well, we're going to probably be about a hundred bucks per table. All right. So there's a thousand bucks. How many times do you think you're going to turn those tables over? Well, you know, think we could be good at lunch and dinner. Let's say two times. Okay. There's $2,000 and multiply that times. How many days you're going to be open? Well, let's, you know, say 30 days. Okay. That is the limit. And the object, the idea of expanding, oh yeah, but we're going to open up another restaurant. Okay. That brings on a whole nother level of complexity. So restaurants are a great way to help people to understand the actual, the market size or the size potential. And once you saw that clearly, you knew, holy crap, this is not what I want to be doing. And that, you know, I think is valuable in the first story that you told us. The other, yeah. the other one is, you know, the question of when do I shut down a business that I'm doing? And I've had a lot of experience with that firsthand. And after the 1997 crisis with our coffee works, our coffee business here, it just looked like, you know, all is lost. All is lost. We don't have that much capital. It's going to be hard to make it, you know, and Thai people aren't drinking as much fresh coffee as we, we had expected. We knew it was coming, but we could be 10 years early. And so there was all these factors. And in the end, we sat down, the whole management team, and we, we kind of came up with the conclusion that we're passionate about this, number one, and we're not reinventing the wheel here. This is coffee. And at that point, we kind of realized, nope, we're doubling down and we're going forward. And it was from that moment that we really started to make the business you know, successful, but it was very slow. I mean, it wasn't like it just shot up after that. But there's that defining moment where you do have to, and I had a a second business, which was a training business in Thailand many years ago. And there was a moment when I just realized I've either got to go big with this thing or get out. And I decided I'm not going to spend the time going big with this thing. So I'm out and I sold my shares to my partner. Now, the other thing is I have my own experience. You know, I've had some ups and downs in, in my other business. And I, two years ago, my sister and I were really debating about it. And Basically, she's like, go get a job. Just go get a job. <laughs> and, you know, I was in the I can't hear heat. those words. I can't hear those I words. Was in, I was in the heat of the battle, the heat of the battle. And I don't think I've ever had such a, a heated argument with my sister. And I, I, it became not even an argument. It's like, I cannot listen to that. It doesn't help me. And I'm not listening. So you can say it all you want. But, and, you know, someone gave me a, a piece of advice at the time. And, you know, the, the, the point was, how much does your sister know about your business? And the answer was, she didn't really know that much. It's just that I was struggling at the time. And so I decided, you know, that I'm going to show her and I'm going to show the world. And I knew I was passionate about what I was doing. And it, it really did. She pushed me in very many ways that really did energize me. 
but, and, and then I built success out of that, you know? So it's, it's hard, you know, you're getting advice throughout our, throughout our lives. We get advice. We want to listen to advice. It's good to bring all advice on board, but it is your obligation to process that advice, to try to identify what part of it is good for you, what's not. And that's your, that's your, that's your right. And it's your responsibility. So welcome advice, but just accept that not all of it's going to come from a place of true understanding. And then the last thing, and, and in that case, you know, it's, it definitely came from a place of love, you know, so you couldn't argue with the genuineness, but she was bringing her experience and her, you know, her background. The last thing that I took away from your, your stories is the idea of external factors, you know, when we start businesses and we try to do something, we must consider external factors, whether there's a shift, for instance, for advertising going online. And that's an external factor that's happening in the world. And if we're not aware of that or whatever, that external factor could either be something we're going to ride or something that's going <laughs> to crush us. And the same thing, talking about your business right now, is that the coronavirus situation across the world is making it impossibly difficult for even some of the best speakers yes. to get gigs. Budgets are cut. You know, people aren't doing, you know, Zoom. You know, it's nice to think there's these amazing Zoom, you know, keynote speeches going on. But, you know, the fact is there people are, cut there, budgets. There are events happening. There are virtual events happening. Very few live events happening, but yep. certainly far less. Certainly the budgets have been cut. And then also like something that I've assumed, but without any data to back it up is that you know, you've got all these speakers who were booked up that were like the best speakers that are like, we're charging 40 grand and they may have like lost all their stuff. And now they're like, whatever, I'll speak on Zoom for two grand. And they're like, I'd much rather get this guy that is world renowned, yep. you know? And so there's, there's less for the, I mean, I, you know, I, but I mean, yeah, you always have to look at external factors just to be fair, nobody. And I mean, nobody imagine coronavirus happening and happening to the extent that it was. So, yep. so yes, I agree with the external factors. I, I, I will maintain my plausible, <laughs> I don't want to say deniability, but my plausible, you know, not, not faultness <laughs> for not being able to anticipate Corona, just like the rest of the world. I mean, I was watching it in January. I was abroad in January and I was watching the news about it and I was like, I don't know where this is going. This might get bad, but it, I mean, never in a million years that I imagine we'll get to what it became, you know? Mm. All right. So based on what you learn from these stories and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? So, I mean, so we, another thing we had talked about beforehand was that, you know, a lot of times people are, you know, it's Corona. People are trying to start something new. People are trying to start, turn over a new leaf, do something new, do something else you know, start a business so they're not no longer reliant on somebody else for their salary, which is, you know, where, where a lot of us have ended up getting into trouble. You know, and if you have a business that creates income, then you, you know, you're able to do that. And so it's, it's not going to be a piece of advice necessarily for my two failures that we brought up or not failures, but my two, <clears throat> my worst investment and my challenging investment that we brought up. But what I would like to bring up is the idea that, you know, there's many, many, many different businesses that you can go into. And, you know, we did talk about clarity a little bit. So, you know, mm -hmm. having clarity on what you want to do and how it will help people and whether or not you can actually make money with it is important, but, you know, don't think, not don't think, vet 
online courses that are selling you to make online courses <laughs> or similar things very carefully yeah. because there's a million people out there that are all going to tell you that my system works really, really well. All you have to do is pay me a thousand dollars to get it. I was recently in a training. It was a little bit important to me what, what I was hearing from these people. I was recently in a training where they said, okay, you know, so, so the, the goal is, is that, you know, you put these people into a funnel, you know, and you get these people first to pay, let's say 25 or $50 for this. They come in, they're part of that course. And then you get them to pay, let's say, you know, a thousand dollars for this. They're part of that. Then you get them to pay 5,000. Then you're going to pay 25 grand. And I'm like, if you ever sold me on something and then tried to upsell me. And then, so it's one thing like, and I'll explain where, where, where mm. I felt like it would have been reasonable and okay in another way. But like, if I feel like every other minute that I get into one of your courses, you're, all you're doing is trying to upsell me. You know, I mean, so you, you have like broken. investment. Trust is broken, exactly. Yeah. But they're saying like, this is gonna work. This is gonna work. So you have investment courses. I imagine, and I, I haven't looked at them, but I imagine mm. that one is about this type of investing and one is about this type of investing. And if you want product A, you buy product A. If you want product B, you buy product B. It's yeah. not buy product A because I want to get you to buy product B. You know, and I, I, I have a book that I, a short book that I wrote that I never published that I'm planning on publishing soon. And I will tell you, I'm going to publish it at a low price. Mm. And at the end of the book, I will mention the other book that I have out and, yeah. you know, try and sell it, but it's not going to be like a hard sell. And yeah. all the information that I promise you is going to be in that book is going to be in that book. It's just going to yeah. be like, you know, other books buy, and it'll be like, hopefully people will get in touch, get a hold of this book and then learn about my other stuff through it. But like, right. oh man, <laughs> can of worms open. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? So I have a program that is that, that I'm working on, a framework. Maybe a program is a better word, a program to help the world and to help people reconnect <clears> with themselves, rekindle the life's magic. And the five keys to greatness does that, but this one does it in, in a different way. And it integrates the five keys. And I really want to get that launched, awesome. uh, you know, get it, get it working get it get it going on zoom get it going in person if we ever get to that point get the book that's supposed to accompany it and explain the idea out get the programs out and just you know it's 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 something that i think that can really help people and really help the world and you know i want, I want to see that change being made got it all right listeners there you have it another story of loss to keep you winning remember to go to my worst to claim your discount on the course that excites you the most as we conclude, Ari, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of Ace Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever <laughs> into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And, you know, the book is available on Amazon or you can go to the website, littlebookofgreatness.com. Uh, and I just, I really appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you. Great to have you on. And for the audience out there, I'll also have it in the show notes, but you can go right now to Amazon and type that in. All right, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, saying, I'll see you on the upside.